You're listening to the Restless Wanderer podcast by Paul Coulter, and this is part six of a series in book four of the Psalms. Psalm 103 of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forgive not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to their iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What a a fantastic psalm, beginning and ending with the command to bless the Lord, a command given to David's own soul. Verses one and two, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then uh, in verses 20, to 22 we return to that command to bless first of all to the angels and the army of God all his hosts and then all of his works and then finally bless the Lord O my soul. David recognises the need to preach to his own soul to remind himself of that God is is worthy of blessing and honour and glory. To bless God of course is not in the same way as when we say that God blesses us to give him something that he needs and wouldn't otherwise have, but to acknowledge him as the source of blessing, to give him praise and glory and honour. And it is an important principle, isn't it? An important thing to preach to our souls. You see, the soul is the inner self. Verse 1, in a sense, describes what the soul is. David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. The soul is what is within us. It's our emotions. It's our thoughts. It's our decision-making processes. It's the inner self. It shouldn't be, it can't be neatly distinguished from the body, of course. A, a human being is a, an ensouled body or an embodied soul. 
And by focusing on the soul here, David isn't neglecting the body at all, but the soul becomes an expression for the whole person, for who I am, for me. So David is preaching to himself. You could almost put the word self in the place of soul, uh, certainly as we come to use it in modern usage. And this psalm, of course, is full of reasons to bless the Lord. Uh, the, the Lord is the sovereign one. He has established his throne in the heavens, verse 19. His kingdom rules over all. That in itself would be a reason to be in awe of God, in wonder of him. But it's not simply that God is sovereign. God has steadfast love for his people, to those who fear him, verse 17. And he has compassion, verse 13, on his children. Uh, on, on those who fear him like a father showing compassion to his children. God is high above the heavens, verse 11. His steadfast love towards those who fear him is as high as the heavens uh, are from the earth. This is a, a wonderful declaration of who God is. Again, verse 8, he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We could bless God simply for who he is and he deserves that and he would be worthy of all of the blessing that we could give for that reason. But wonderfully, because God is compassionate and because of his steadfast love, he saves his people. He delivers us from our sins. Verse 10, he won't deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. He has removed our transgressions from us. Verse 12, and that's one picture for salvation, that idea of, of the, the weight of our sin and the filth of our sin and the burden of our sin that would have drawn down God's wrath upon us is removed as far away from us as we could possibly imagine as high as the heavens, which of course describe the stars, the outer space. Think of the size of the universe. And if we were thinking in physical terms, that still wouldn't be enough for the distance that God has removed our sins from us by. God is a great saviour. But of course, the psalm doesn't only talk about God's uh, salvation from sin. It also talks about his restoration. It says that he renews strength like the eagle uh, to those who um, believe in him. This is what David says to his own soul. Verse 5, he renews your strength or your youth like the eagles. Of course, that image is perhaps more familiar from the end of Isaiah chapter 40, where we're told that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength like eagles. Um, but it's here too in, in David centuries before Isaiah. So in other words, there is a physical and, and emotional, I suppose the renewal of strength is still to do with the soul in many ways, the inner life. It's to do with our uh, emotional strength, our courage, our ability to keep going, all of those, those things. But there's something physical here as well, because God remembers our frame, verse 14. He knows who we are. He remembers that we're dust. He knows that our lives are temporary. He knows that we are weak. God is not a, a harsh slave master who sets us up to fail, who expects more of us 
than we are capable of, not at all. God knows us. He knows our weakness. He knows our frailty. He knows our limitations. It's an important principle for the believer in God, that God does not expect more of you than you can do. And, and to try and live beyond your physical limits is a kind of idolatry. It's trying to claim to be God yourself, to transcend the healthy limitations that God has placed upon you in creation. And of course, some of the causes for weariness that we experience are a result of the fall. They, they're not just about creation, the diseases and uh, discouragements and, of course, our own mortality, the ageing process. But, but even if all of those things were removed, we would still be limited creatures, created beings, not godlike, limitless in our capacities. And so we shouldn't think that when we return to God that all of our limitations will be removed. We remain flesh. We continue to die. But verse 17 says, The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. He loved us before the beginning of time. And he will love us beyond the end of time as we currently know it. God chose us in Christ to use New Testament language from the book of Ephesians before the foundation of the world and God will love us eternally and although David doesn't here explicitly talk about resurrection and the Old Testament uh, isn't very explicit in many places about resurrection you do get that sense that David knows or has confidence or or trusts that the end of his life will not be the end of him his soul will endure. Uh, yes, there's a sense of the everlasting to everlasting in verse 17 clearly includes future generations, children's children. And in the Old Testament, that's often the focus. There's a much greater concern in the Old Testament for the continuation of the family line than perhaps we have in modern cultures today. Um, but, but I don't think it's just I think you can see beyond that, this idea of, of at least an echo of immortality, of eternal life. And so um, there is great confidence that David has here in both God's salvation from sin, in God's uh, keeping through death, and also God's ability to renew strength in the present. And that brings us right back, and you might notice I've been working backwards in many ways through the psalm, to the opening verses, which are, are wonderful things that David proclaims to his soul about what God does. He says, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, what are these benefits? He forgives our iniquity, removes our sin from us. That, I suppose, no Christian would have a, a problem believing. That's the very heart of the gospel that we believe in. It's the very heart of what Christ came to achieve, to die for us, to redeem us from our sins, to justify us with God, to set us free from sin and death. But verse 3 continues, who heals all your diseases? And then verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Verse 5, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. So what are the benefits? Forgiveness of iniquities, healing from diseases, redemption of life from the pit, crowned with steadfast love and mercy, satisfied with good things, youth renewed 
like the eagles. Now, many of those things, again, like the forgiveness of iniquity, Christians would not really differ over or have any difficulties with that God crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, that he redeems our life from the pit, at least spiritually, that he gives us good things and perhaps we might even accept that those things are satisfactory, that they bring us satisfaction, at least if we have learnt the lesson of contentment as the Apostle Paul describes it. To be content with what we have and find our contentment and our joy in Christ. But satisfying with good, of course, is not all of our experience of life, even as Christians, is it? There are bad things that come our way as well. Verse 8, of course, says the Lord, um, or sorry, verse 6, that the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Israel in Egypt in verse 7 being the key example of that. But of course, that isn't always our experience in this life, is it? That people who are oppressed or mistreated find justice. And so that in itself begins to point us to the fact that there is an eternal dimension to this. There has to be. We know that in this life as we live it, God does not always give justice to those who are oppressed. Some people live and die in oppression, even those who have faith in God. Some people who are faithful to him are mistreated, abused, betrayed, or even imprisoned, even martyred. And that helps us to understand when verse 3 talks about God who heals all of our diseases, that there is an eternal perspective in view. You see, there are some Christians who take a verse like that and some other verses, particularly in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah 53, that by his wounds we are healed, um, is another example. And they say, look, the Bible promises healing for those who are believers in God. So if you put your faith in God, you can be healed. And if you're not experiencing healing, perhaps that's because you don't have enough faith in God. Now, I want to say that that kind of teaching is wrong and it's dangerous. Of course, God can heal. He can heal our bodies. He can bring healing to our minds. He often does. But he does that not only through miraculous means, which is often what people mean when they talk about the healing God gives. When your body heals itself, that is also a gift from God. And when you receive healing through a doctor or a counsellor or a nurse or a physiotherapist or some other professional, that too is a gift from God. God made that person. He gave them wisdom and knowledge accumulated, accumulated over generations. And, and he gave your body the ability to respond to that treatment. Drugs work because they are designed to work for the bodies that God created. And drugs are made from the stuff that God created in this world that we live in. Physiotherapy works because it works with the muscles and the forces that God created in our bodies. Uh, and he created a world in which our bodies are capable of gaining new strength and and being restored to a limited degree. So all of this is a gift from God, and we must be really careful that we don't only think about healing from God in terms purely of 
miracles. To do so would be not giving the blessing to God that he deserves. I should be just as thankful to God when I'm healed through the intervention of a doctor as whenever a miracle happens. But the other bigger problem with that teaching that healing is always possible is that it simply isn't right. Even this psalm continues to acknowledge that people die, that life is limited in its span, that we are like grass. The renewal of our strength is not limitless. So in one sense, when the psalm says he, he heals all your diseases, it's simply saying that every time you have been healed, it's God who did it. But I think there is a sense in which it is a universal promise of saying that God will heal all of your diseases in a way that perhaps David might not have known, because as I've said already, resurrection is not clear in this psalm. It may be implicit, but it isn't explicit. But when, the question of when will God heal all of your diseases is the important one. You see, the false teaching says you can claim it now. God will heal every disease now if you have faith in him or uh, if you find a person who has the faith to bring you healing or honestly in some settings if you donate to a particular ministry. Well, of course, if God wants to heal your body now, he doesn't need to do it through another person, some faith healer. And he doesn't certainly doesn't have to do it on the basis of you making a donation. He can do it directly if he chooses to. So ask him if he would. But if God doesn't heal your body now, I think it's right and proper to embrace this verse from Psalm 103 as a, a promise from God that will be fulfilled in God's time. In other words, he may not heal you now. He might heal you at a later date in this life, but he might not heal you at all this side of death. But when the resurrection comes, then every disease will be healed. The physical diseases, the limitations of your body will be overcome. In fact, the resurrection body, I think, will be greater. Uh, don't ask me exactly how, but it will be greater and superior to any human body now, even the fittest and healthiest one. And when the resurrection comes, the troubles of your mind, the things that burden you, the anxieties that weigh you down, the emotional struggles and the intellectual struggles and the mental struggles, the health issues in the mind, the, in the emotions, all of these will be gone too because you will know God fully and you will know the love of God fully. And there will be no room for shadow anymore, no more deceit, no more distortion, no more doubts, because you will see him face to face. The social wounds that you carry, the broken relationships, of course, it's wonderful to seek to heal those now, to bring restoration through forgiveness and compassion. But the reality is this side of glory, again, sometimes there is a break in relationships. People are estranged. They never learn to see eye to eye. That too will be healed in the fullness of God's purpose, in the fullness of God's time, in the resurrection life, in the new creation. God will heal all of your diseases, physical, emotional and mental, social, spiritual, 
The forgiveness of sins, of course, is a present reality. But it's also a future reality, not that I step into life in a blasé, careless way. Well, God has promised to forgive my sins, so I might as well go and sin. No, but that I, knowing that I am weak and knowing that I am tempted and knowing that I will fall again, step into life, trusting in God, asking him to lead me in righteous paths because his understanding is complete He knows what is right and what is true. And I could follow him, but knowing that he will forgive me when I stumble because he is compassionate on me as a father is compassionate to his child. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. I have to fear the Lord. That means giving him the proper perspective, the proper position in my estimation that he deserves. Reverence, awe, even fear in the sense of the the, the trembling of the body, that awareness that this is a, a person who is supremely mighty, who is holy beyond my imagination, who is glorious. But in my fear of the Lord, I discover his steadfast love you see that the steadfast love of the lord on those who fear him now here is the wonderful truth that as i fear god i come into the embrace of his covenant love and i trust in him for this day for the past for the the sins that i have committed for the shame that sometimes hangs over me and for the present in every need And for the future, because he will remain faithful. And whilst David might not have had a clear vision of resurrection hope, we certainly do living this side of the resurrection of Jesus, because the resurrection has already begun. The first fruits has been brought in Jesus. Will we not also follow? So bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The angels of heaven... The mighty ones, verse 20, who do his words, who obey his his voice, who need no forgiveness of sins because they have never sinned. They are blessing him. And the blessing, uh, bless the Lord, all his hosts, verse 21, his ministers who do his will, those mighty armies of heaven serving him, they bless him. All his works in all places of his dominion, verse 22, bless him. The whole of creation shouting out his glory. How then could my soul not join in? My soul, which has all the benefits that the angels have of being created, of knowing God, but has this extra dimension of knowing the redemption and forgiveness of sins. How can I not to join in and bless the Lord?